Hello everyone and welcome to Mike Springston FFC Podcast. We're glad to have you with us from around the world. We appreciate all those of you that are downloading our information, Bible studies, preaching and teaching and and, uh, following along with us. Uh, Tonight we're going to talk for a few minutes about how healing works. This is going to be a most interesting study. I hope you will enjoy it. Uh, we would love to hear from you, Mike Springston FFC uh, podcast. Of course, you contact us through Podbean. You contact us through Springston fifty six at gmail dot com, Mike Springston Ministries dot com, FFCMA dot org, or through Family Fellowship Chapels Facebook direct messaging. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll get into the lesson today. Father, we thank you for the Word of God. Open our eyes that we can see and our ears that we can hear and our heart that we can understand what the Word of God says to us. And then let it change us into the image of your dear Son. Father, we ask that Jesus would speak and the Holy Spirit would reveal, be revealed to what it is that you want us to know. As He reveals it to us, we will release it to Your people. I pray that we will receive it and that it will change us. Bless us now, I pray, in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, our High Priest, our Lord, and our Man in the Godhead. Amen and Amen. Today we're talking about how healing works. Healing is an interesting part of the spiritual life. Jesus, of course, was a known healer. The malady or the problems that were presented to him were most irrelevant. He could deal with all of them. He met the need of extremely large groups or individuals as he encountered each of them along his ministry way. Healing, as has been taught, is in the plan of redemption. We see that as being that, healing as being expressed to us in Isaiah 53 5 and 1st Peter chapter 2 and verse 24. He in his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Now of course we know that Jesus Christ was being the favored grace of God that has healed the spiritual gap that was created by the fall that occurred in the garden. We also know that faith when used in coordination with grace brings the one expressing faith in the favored grace of God into the reconnection that we know and we call being saved. So where does physical healing come into consideration? Well, here are some foundational understandings that we must have to allow for the revelation of the healing power of the blood of Jesus Christ to work and manifest in our lives. First, Satan attacked man through his flesh. His message caused the flesh to build a picture in his mind of the message that he was trying to propagate. To them. Now, if this came through the flesh and the mind, then we know that God has to have a means to remedy that issue. 
Satan said, surely you'll not die. Is that really what he said? The mind, of course, began to question what the flesh saw as a desire. Through this inroad into the mind came the desire of the flesh. Man was deceived and sold the life of his spirit. That's important that we understand. He sold the life of his spirit. And in so doing, uh, man was had to be dealt with by God. There is no doubt about that. Man was compelled to be dealt with by God because God um, had uh, told them what was coming. The fruit of the tree, what he saw, what he thought would gratify, was more important than what God had said to him. Of course, this caused man to, to die internally. Their entire life in the garden is altered. They see themselves now as being exposed to the external world. And of course, that's very new for them. They realize that the flesh now had no covering. They saw themselves as naked for the first time. Nothing to keep them away from external exposure. So, of course, they looked for a natural covering to protect them. In all of this, the death of the inner man didn't seem to be too important to them. All of their sensory input, of course, was focused on what was happening in their outer world. And that's the way Satan works. He gets us to focus on what's going on in our outer world. To God, however, this was not the case. He knew that man had been disobedient, and we hear him say, Adam, where art thou, and what have you done? He was aware that there had been a spiritual break because he could not find them. They were not in their normal place in the cool of the day, they had taken on a posture of which they had never had to concern themselves with before, and they went into hiding. As God uncovers them and begins to deal with the repercussions of their failure, the penalty for their actions are exposed. Here it is. Physical pain and hard labor. These become the results of disobedience. Because of their disobedience, all mankind is thrust under these harsh conditions. There will be a life full of pain, a life full of sickness because of the separation from God, but more deeply because of the introduction of a new master and what that master had produced in them. Now the good news is that in this time of the declaration of consequences and repercussions, God also introduces the remedy for all of the problems that are going to be released due to their disobedience, due to their finding a new master. It is the one who will bruise Satan's head. Now notice, Satan will bruise his heel. How would he do that? through the cross. But as we will see, the cross becomes a part 
of the remedy for both sin and sickness. Now Jesus is born and is sent forth to minister the Father to the people in Israel. While doing so, he heals the sick and raises the dead. His actions in this area have no boundaries as he heals the Roman centurion's son. He ministers to the Samaritans and the people in Samaria. He ministers to the Gentile woman's daughter. Healing is a virtue that is in the Father because he has revealed it to many people and many people groups. Healing now we see is not indigenous to a people group because Jesus crossed cultural boundaries. Healing is not just the work that Jesus does either. He sent the 12 and the 72 out to minister and to heal while using his name as the point of entry into the spiritual world where healing exists. So Jesus goes to the cross and dies and there he produces healing for the spirit. Man can be forgiven of their transgressions and lawless iniquities. Man can have peace renewed and by his stripes we are healed and brought back in to coordination, reconnected with God. We know that this healing has made alive the spirit that is in the inner man and that is critical. But for years we've been told that this scripture dealt with both our physical and spiritual healing. Now that's coming to us today and we will see it in the process as we move forward. Pay attention. So Jesus takes the flesh to the tomb. There he buries the flesh. Why did he do that? Because the flesh had to be placed back in the position where it was no longer the ruler of the three-part man, you know man, as a spirit, soul, and body. In his inner man resided the spirit, and we know that it was preserved in the tomb because not a bone of his body was broken in his skeletal system. This protected the inner man. Then, of course, we find that Jesus went to hell. There he takes the keys this is important, of death and hell. Now why is the death part important? Because death is directly related to the effects of the fall upon mankind. Death was the repercussion of the pain and hard labor that was given man as a consequence of sin. Sickness, disease, and physical breakdowns were all a part of the death package. Mankind was caught in this death trap due to the master that was chosen, the man of sin, chosen by the disobedience of Adam and Eve in the garden. As sin has gone about, as Jesus has gone about healing people during his ministry, he did so due to the covenant that the Father had with Israel, but... During his ministry, Jesus says something that's directly related to the ministry of healing. Matthew 12, 29, Or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he'll spoil his goods. Jesus is prophesying about what he will do when the time comes for him to encounter Satan in the region of the damned. 
He'll enter into his house and spoil his goods. First, he'll bind him. Then he'll disarm him. So when he arrived in hell, he did just that. He both bound him and disarmed him of the power to make death in mankind. Now that death is prevalent in mankind, but mankind would have the opportunity to believe on the work of Jesus Christ and therefore destroy the work of death that sin had brought to pass. Sickness and disease, of course, are tools that the devil used to maintain mankind to the connection of bondage. He used them, sickness and disease, in their lives. They became the consequences and repercussion of the disobedience that was perpetrated in the garden. Look at Mark's rendition of this from Mark 3.24. And if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. Jesus here refers to a kingdom. The content shows that he is speaking of the contrast between his kingdom and the kingdom of Satan. Of course, there is no way that a successful kingdom can be divided when the belief system is so divided. That's a problem in our world today, isn't it? But Jesus here refers to, quotes, a kingdom. He is well aware of why he is speaking this lesson concerning the destruction of the strong man's house. It's for a kingdom that is operational in the spirit and life of man. He knows that if in the kingdom of man the spirit is divided, that man cannot stand. Why? Because sickness, disease, breakdown, and death will rule. Where might that kingdom be required to stand? Well, the kingdom of mankind will be required knowledge when man stands before the judgment. If that kingdom is divided and unstable, that kingdom will face the consequences of eternal bondage. He will be held in the clutches of the strong man and forever bear the resemblance of his master. Now we know that the kingdom of God could not operate as being divided any longer. Jesus was coming to the cross. There he would die. In dying, he would make the way for this kingdom to follow after him and come into his kingdom. The gift of the Son of God on the cross saw to the fact that there was a new avenue and a new kingdom that could be followed. Now drawing it all together again, in himself, by his work that began in the cross, the results that were brought were safety, soundness, and wholeness. These had to be the results because this was the economy under which God operated before the fall. Greater than that, this is the economy of the heavenly domain. A spiritual solution was reached at Calvary for the sin of mankind. Now watch this. A physical solution was reached in the regions of the damned when Jesus reacquired the keys of death. 
The health of mankind is no longer divided between the two kingdoms. In the kingdom of the underworld, not only is sin the economy, but sicknesses as well. But in the economy of his dear son, that economy is operated totally differently. It's the economy, my friend, of safety, soundness, and wholeness. Verse 25, And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Here we see another reference to the individual. First it was a kingdom. Now it is a house. Man is what's being referenced here. It's for man that this battle to spoil the goods of the strong man was going to rage. The house that attempts to operate in both worlds, well, they just can't be well. In either world, they can't be well. One cannot serve the flesh and the spirit simultaneously. The flesh will win that battle because it brings with it gratification and satisfaction. And the mind will buy into those things. Man must be in the house that has the economy of salvation. You know what that looks like. Healing, preservation, deliverance, safety, soundness, and wholeness. From that economy, man can live with the assurance that the keys of death that bring sickness and disease are not any longer controlling their environment. Now watch this. The key to death, my friend, exists. That means that sickness and disease are in fact in the natural world. And it also means that they must be reckoned with. The flesh, of course, is susceptible to these, even though the keys to them are controlled by Jesus Christ. Now watch, because this is the revelation of what's happening here. Man is still operating in the natural world. He still interacts with the natural world, and in the natural world, his body is externally under the attack of the prince of the power of the air. But Jesus Christ, who is the victoriously anointed one, who was resurrected with control of the keys of death, sickness, and disease, is risen, and he is Lord. He is anointed to deliver man who accepts and believes upon his work at the cross, destroying the flesh in the tomb, and then resurrected with the keys of death and hell. At the cross, the victory over the flesh, the victory over sin, forgiveness. At the tomb, the burial of flesh. In the region of the dam, sickness and death to the physical body and to the spiritual body were brought out of there so that death would no longer hold man in bondage. Sickness, disease, and physical breakdowns, of course, must now all bow under his exalted name of Lord. He has delivered man who identifies with his work from the very results that are occurring in the natural. Now watch this. The cross remedied the man's dead spirit by the grace of forgiveness. The tomb destroyed the flesh. The resurrection delivered man from the effects of death. What are the effects of death? Sickness, disease, breakdowns, and ultimate death. 
Now, if we are delivered from the effects of these, when does it happen? Well, it happens when we believe. When does eternity begin? That also happens when we believe. So the effects of death are abolished when Jesus took the keys of death. There is no longer any division of kingdoms. Mankind who believes is healed of the effects of death. Now, follow along because we're going to show you. And if Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand but hath an end. Satan will rise up. He will attack the external body. He will affect the believer physically in any way possible. Here are some of those, age, time, injury, accidents, and of course sickness and disease. They may appear and they may come and look like they're apprehending a believer. But the victoriously anointed one who has the keys to death, held under the title of his lordship, is prepared as Lord to rule and reign. Satan rises up and Jesus uses his control over the power of sickness and death to bring an end to his methods. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3 through 6. For though we walk in the flesh, we're in the natural, we're among the natural, we're living among those who are following the man of sin, who live after the nature of sin, sickness, and disease. But we don't war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. When sickness and disease appear, we go to his lordship for healing. Why? Because it's in his lordship that he rules and reigns, so he holds the power and authority in this capacity. The keys of death are part of his rule. Since we do not war after the flesh, we do not look to how our flesh is responding to the sickness, disease, or breakdown. Those thoughts are fleshly and they are beggarly in nature. We cast down those thoughts. They do not operate under the correct kingdom. We do not exalt sickness and disease. We exalt Jesus Christ, the deliverer, who is Lord, who is the resurrected, victoriously anointed deliverer. Sickness and disease are operating against the knowledge of God. They're attempting to operate against the knowledge of what Jesus Christ has done with respect to the key of death. Now, my friend, we must place sickness and disease back into captivity. We must put them back under lock and key. Any thought that comes from that nature must be put in jail and put back in its cell. We should not take on the personality of the captive we should take on the personality of the captor. No man can enter into a strong man's house, Mark 3.27, and spoil his goods except he will first bind the strong man and then he'll spoil his house. Sickness, disease, and death are spoiled, my friend. They're under the held key of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 10.13, There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. 
Sickness and disease is common to man. Glory to God is a common thing to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will, with the temptation, also make a way of escape that you'll be able to bear. The way of escape is clear. He's delivered us from the bondage of spiritual and physical slavery. He has done so by completing the first three works that began in the cross. The devil, well, he's stuck working from the outside in. He's left to produce against only the flesh and mind the attacks, the things that are common to those who are living with him as master. Someone said, but Jesus has taken the keys. How is he allowed to do that? My friend, Satan is still on the loose. He's still operating in the lives of those who serve him. They walk in our midst. They are the carriers of the curse. Our flesh being exposed to that environment is still susceptible to sickness. However, that's not the real story that you need to know. There is a remedy, my friend. That is the story. If you're not serving Satan and sin, there is a remedy. You have taken the remedy. It's the cross. It's the tomb. It's the resurrection. It's Jesus Christ as safety in his high priesthood. It's him as the Lord of soundness, the man in the Godhead who is making you whole. Now watch this. When man is born again, he is brought back to life in the inner man. From here, all of the nurturing and the development that is required for man to know God's completed. Satan has no entrance into your spirit man. He can communicate with the flesh and the mind, but not the spirit man. He is relegated only to being an influence from the outside in. He causes the flesh to desire and he causes passions to rise. He causes even the mind to dwell on those things that are appealing to the flesh. Often the mind joins the flesh and sin occurs, but sin has a remedy, right? Of course it does. It is the cross and the captured keys of death and hell. Jesus has control of what happened at the cross, and he also has control of who he will cast into hell. We have him as an advocate. Now sickness and disease affects the body. Satan has used his power as the prince of the power of the air, and sickness enters into one's body. Is there a remedy? You know there is. There is a control mechanism. Who is the remedy? The control is the keys that are in the possession of Jesus Christ. From that control is generated the lordship of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord, who is over everything that has a name. Sickness and diseases all have names, friend. We place those names under his lordship. He puts sickness then in its place. Now, why is not everyone healed that we pray for? Here are your reasons. God is a sovereign God. He knows the time, the day, and the place where a man's soul will be required of him. He knows also when death is the best option to allow a person to be in position to be received into his presence. He also knows when sickness is necessary to get the attention of man so that man will listen and hear what direction he needs him to go. Often these things look and feel very premature and sometimes difficult to deal with. But he knows the plans that he has for man. And I want you to know they're always good, not for evil. 
Next, not everyone understands what I'm teaching you. Some don't believe that healing is for today. Some have no biblical understanding upon which to draw. Some have developed personalities that are full of anxiety, oppression, and depression. And getting them healed is often a process of time, and that's a commodity to which in many people in sickness just don't have. Many have placed themselves in situations that have made them ill by life's choices that have become virtually irreversible. They've waited too long. They've enjoyed the experience of attachment to a worldly thing too long. The emphasis here must be for the saving of their soul. Healing is an act that occurs in the spirit long before it's manifested in the flesh. So your question would be, how long does it take for me to get healed? Well, that's a question that's between the one who's under attack and God. I can only tell you this. The spirit manifests the healing and then the flesh manifests. So what should we be doing with regard to healing? We should be diving full force into the Spirit. We should be walking in the Spirit. We should be seeking the utilization of the gifts of the Spirit. We should be expressing direct communication with God as Paul described in 1 Corinthians 14.2. Since this is a spiritual event, it must be pulled out of the spirit world. That means that we must work with the force that's in us. You know the force Paul spoke of in Ephesians 3.20, now unto him that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we're able to ask or think, all according to the power that worketh in us. So why do many remain sick? The answer to me is quite clear. We neither understand the procedure done, that made it available to us, nor do we understand the avenue that is required for it to be revealed to us. Once understood, here is how healing will transpire. Jesus Christ, the victoriously anointed one who is Lord over all, will reveal to the Holy Spirit the promise of his work completed in the region of the damned. His revelation will be done in places that the eye does not see nor where the ear hears, but it will reveal his love. The believer who has placed his faith in the work of Jesus Christ has the assurance that his lordship is over everything that has a name. There is grace, and that grace is in the person of Jesus Christ that is activated by the faith of the believer. The Holy Spirit reveals the promise that's been provided by Jesus Christ to the inner man of the believer. The believer receives that message. He takes it and makes it his own. In his spirit, the mountain that was sickness, disease, is made a play. He releases what he's received by faith. Out of his mouth comes what is in his spirit. He'll begin to say, I'm healed. And you fill in the blank there. I'm healed of cancer. I'm healed of heart disease. I'm healed of knee problems. I'm healed of joint issues. You fill in the blank for you. Now they begin to do what they could not do before. They move forward in faith, speaking what the Holy Spirit has spoken to them. So when does healing come? Well, it's manifested into the air when you began to speak it. The manifestation in the body, that's on God's time. Many times, it'll come whenever you don't realize it or think about it. I told a story in my book about a man whose legs were dead that God led me to pray for, and I did. 
I saw him months later. I don't know how long it took for God to heal him, but he healed him. He showed them to me. They were baby pink, beautiful legs. Now, why isn't it immediate? Well, sometimes it is and sometimes it's not. Here are the things I want you to consider, though. If you believed in a work that you cannot see, and it's called being saved, and you believe that, and you believe in a heaven that you cannot see. But at some point in your spirit, man, it manifested, and out of your spirit, man, came a personality change that you can see. You operate differently. You think differently. Well, that tells me the process works because the process is by grace through faith. And that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. If you're convinced in what Jesus has done in your life as deeply as you are convinced that you're saved, if you're convinced that the Holy Spirit has spoken healing to you as deeply as you're convinced of being saved, the process will work. If you understand the Lordship of Jesus Christ and know that you have surrendered yourself to His Lordship, glory God, the process will work. If you dive into the spirit world and surrender yourself to the spirit and the work that He does to represent Jesus Christ to the believer, you can be assured that the process that Jesus Himself said would work will work for you. If you're willing to hear and do what the Spirit says to you, you can better know the process will work for you. Many people want God's best, but we often don't want to understand how to get it. Here's why repetition in prayer often is done. The things I'm teaching you is not a part of your package of knowledge. Therefore, all you can do is keep asking. What happens is you virtually become a beggar. Begging in desperation is not necessary, my friends. He hears the prayer of the righteous. Now, of course, it's an abomination for the unsaved to pray for the God that they've rejected to heal them. They need to get saved first and then deal with the other. As you walk in the Spirit, you will have the revelation of the Spirit of the Lord. Once you see that revelation, it becomes real to you. Simply receive it. You receive it. I receive what the Holy Ghost is saying. Then you release it. I'm healed. I'm delivered. I'm free of that. I'm well. I am becoming well healed from whatever it is. A financial need, a mental need, whatever the need is. I'm healed of it. I heard from the Holy Spirit. This is the response of healing, my friend. It will happen at different rates, speeds, and in different environments. But healing, my friends, is a process. By grace, through faith, it's a process. But one thing you can know for sure, Jesus Christ has delivered you. He's delivered you spiritually at the cross. He has delivered you physically by taking the keys of death. Your sickness and disease are all under His Lordship. They're all under anything that has a name under his lordship. 
If I were you and I was looking for healing, I would dive into the Spirit of God to such an extent that I would dive and dive and dive and go deeper and deeper and deeper. Why? Because my flesh cannot help me. I don't war after the flesh. I want to cast down the things of the flesh. I want to go into the things of the Spirit. I would get into the nine gifts of the Spirit. I would begin to look for for wisdom, knowledge, discernment of spirit, faith, healing, miracles, tongues, prophecy, interpretation of tongues. I would go deep into the spirit world because out of the spirit world is where your inner man is going to hear the voice of Jesus as spoken by the Holy Ghost and healing is going to manifest. He's going to lead you and guide you into healing. He's going to give you what to speak about your healing. Yes, my friend. Miracles, on the other hand, are associated with healing, but they have the mercy and compassion of God as their generator. What you have is what He did at the cross and what He did in the resurrection. Your flesh dies in the middle and you have found the way to work healing. Listen to this over and over again, my friend. And as you do, put into practice what I'm teaching you. And you will find out that your healing now is very close. The Word of God said, draw nigh unto me, and I will draw nigh unto you. Father, I thank you for your Word. Bless your people. And we will give you praise and honor in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our High Priest, our Lord and our man in the Godhead. May God bless you as you study His Word until we speak again.